0: Building on a Firm Foundation Basics of the Catholic Faith A Catechism Series by David Rodriguez Sponsored by the Fatima Center Episode 18 Are Humans Like the Trinity Given on October 27, 2020 Praise be Jesus and Mary I'm David Rodriguez, content director of the Fatima Center, and we're building on a firm foundation as we study the basics of our Catholic faith. In the previous two episodes, we have considered the central mystery of the Christian faith, namely the Blessed Trinity. It's the central mystery of the faith because it precedes all the others. Even before God created, God is triune. God is three, God is one eternally uncreated. In fact, all creation flows from this mystery of the Blessed Trinity, including we ourselves, including how He has made man. And so today we want to delve a little deeper into that mystery, how we as human beings reflect, as we are the image and likeness of God, so how do we reflect the Blessed Trinity? Let's go ahead and begin with our prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Credo in Deum Patrem omnipotentem, Creatorum Celi et terrae, et in Iesum Christum Filium eius unicum dominum nostrum, qui conceptus est Spiritu Sancto, natus ex Maria Virgine, passus su Pontio Pilato, crucifixus, mortus et sepultus, descendit ad inferos, tercedie resurrexit a mortuis, ascendit ad celos. Cedet ad dextram Dei Patris Omnipotentis, Indeventurus est iudicare vivos et mortuos. Credo in Spiritum Sanctum, Sanctam Ecclesiam Catholicam, Sanctorum Communionum, Remissionem Pecatorum, Carnis Resurrectionem, et Vita Meternam. Amen. Sancte Thomas, ora pro nobis. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So we know that this mystery of the Trinity is that there is one God, one divine nature, and three persons in God. The first question many people will ask is, I think, simple to understand is, well, what's the difference between nature and person? The easiest way to explain that is perhaps with a few questions. If you receive a letter in the mail, someone might ask you, who sent that? That question, who sent that, is asking about a person. We would never sort of ask, what sent that? That doesn't make any sense because we know it's only persons, human beings, with a human nature that send letters. Whereas, perhaps, we're walking through the forest one day and we hear some loud shriek, this bestial, inhuman noise that frightens us. We might say, what was that? We wouldn't say, who was that? Because we actually don't know what this noise was, what caused the noise. And so we're wondering, what thing, what creature has the nature that can make such a noise? So that's where we get the nature. The nature is what something is, whereas the person is who someone is. Now with God, it's a little bit, I think, more complicated because we have these other words that are also very important, like essence or substance. I think about the creed, the word consubstantial, the fact that the son and the father are consubstantial, one substance, the same substance. That's where it differs from us, because obviously you and I are different persons, we know that, but at the same time you and I share the same nature, in the sense that we both have a human nature. I have a human nature, you have a human nature. Nevertheless, you and I are not one substance, one essence. The essence of who David is is very different from the essence of who you are. And my substance is also different. So every human being has his own substance, even though all humans have a human nature. And in fact, we could say that's one of the ways we know we are different persons because our substance and our essence is different. And so with God, that's where this, uh, it's going to be a little different. Uh, where we do say he is one substance, one essence, but three persons. I think the natural question then is, well then, how are we making the distinction? It certainly isn't easy, I would say, this is part of the mystery, because we don't have a connection to that in our normal experience, but we see that there are relationships, relations between the three persons, and that certainly is something that distinguishes them they have different relations amongst each other. A relation, as St. Thomas will tell us, is the order of one thing to another. So to have a relation, you must have at least two things so that one thing can be related to it. And the nature of that relationship, we obviously want right relationships, is how they're ordered one to another. And so the Father is ordered to the Son in a different way than the Son is ordered to the Father. We have in relation of paternity, and we have a relation of affiliation from the son back to the father. So the relations are different. And then the father and the son spirate the Holy Ghost. That's the technical term for it. The father begets, eternally begotten of the father, we say of the son, and then together the father and the son spirate. Uh, the ancient word for that is sort of like a breathing forth, breathe forth the Holy Ghost. So these relationships are what's different. And relationships then are going to be key. As we said last time, we need to develop relationships with each person in the Blessed Trinity. So they're not just praying generically to, you know, God in general, this sort of supreme deity, Freemasonic notion that there is this one all-powerful being out there. But very specifically, it is the one triune God professed by the Christian faith. We can look certainly to our Blessed Mother to see how these relations are a little different. She is the perfect Christian. So obviously she's going to have the perfect relationship with the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. And in some wonderful salutations, a prayer composed by St. John Eudes, a great Marian doctor, actually a great promoter of both the devotion to the Sacred Heart and the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of St. John Eudes' Wonderful writings. But he composed a prayer based it off of the Ave that... The angel Gabriel brought down from heaven, and it begins thus, where we pray, Hail Mary, beloved daughter of the Eternal Father. Hail Mary, admirable mother of the Son. Hail Mary, faithful spouse of the Holy Ghost. And so here you see how our Blessed Mother has three relations that are different with each person of the Blessed Tree. It's a great prayer to pray, it goes on, the salutations to do, but even just that gives great glory to God, because it is seeing those different relations and worshiping and praying to Him that way. It also pleases our Blessed Mother, that we hail her this way, and that also redounds as great glory to God, because any time we look to our Blessed Mother and we pray to her and we give her honor, it's like a mirror reflecting, giving greater glory to God. And you see that if a woman, the most important relationship she could have with a man would be to be a daughter, to be a mother, and to be a wife. So you see how the Blessed Mother has those specific, distinct, and different, unique relationships with each person of the Blessed Trinity. Now, the Blessed Trinity is one, but He, we could say, is also a community of persons. And that's somewhere we also see a parallel to us, because very common to human experience is that we experience a kind of tension between the one and the many we're always under that. We desire unity with others, and yet we also want to remain as our own individual. How often it may have happened that you are in the midst of many people, many friends, acquaintances, and yet you feel very alone. And how often when you are alone and yet you wish you could be with others. Right? There's this constant tension. I think any sort of person who's in a family, as father or a mother, You sometimes just wish you could get away from the entire family you're with so you could have some time to be alone. That's very important to have that time alone. And then there are other times when we're alone and we just wish we could be with others. A lot of times people who are single are desiring that family. And once you're in the family, you're saying, boy, I wish I could have some alone time. You know, sort of this conflict between, as I say, being an individual and then also being in this community. We go through life that way all the time. You can even look at the life of a person and they follow that pattern that they start off in the womb of their mother and there's a great oneness and then they're born and now there's sort of a separation but they still need to be part of that family. And as they grow up and as they begin to establish an individuality, they're pulling away from the family but there's always those times where they sort of come back teenage years, years filled with angst and tension where you're trying to assert your own individuality, you're pulling away from your family a little, you're making friends, trying to develop this new community, looking forward to the time where you can get married and start your own family. But there is always a tension between that the individual, the one, the good of one, and then the common good, the many. It helps to know that this is built into us. We're not going to escape this. helps me to know that because when I do feel that tension, I realize, well, that's the way it is. Because we're mirroring the Blessed Trinity and here on this earth we're never going to perfect it. We need the Blessed Trinity for that. And so when you do feel that tension, whether it's because you are surrounded by too many people and you need more of that individual or you're too isolated and you need more of that community, then you realize what's really lacking here is my relationship with God. The more I can develop my relationship with the three persons of the Blessed Trinity, the more I will be my own individual. I will be who I am meant to be, but the more I will also be in a community, the wonderful community of the Blessed Trinity. In the end, that's what heaven's going to be like. Uh, we can't obviously imagine it, but we're going to be perfectly fulfilled and realized individuals, and yet as members of the one mystical body of Christ, we're going to be perfectly united to every other saint in heaven through, through the Blessed Trinity. And it's through God that we'll be united to others and have this wonderful community but retain our individuality. But again, that would only be perfected in heaven. Obviously, if one went to hell, that is going to be the complete opposite because you'll always be completely alone, completely isolated from everyone else. No matter how closely the tortured bodies and souls in hell may be, you'll be completely isolated. I sometimes tell people you want to get an inkling of what hell is like. Just put yourself in solitary confinement in a small box, in a small closet for a day, a month, a year. And hell is, of course, infinitely worse. And you'll never be a fulfilled individual. You'll always know that you're lacking. You'll never flourish. You'll never really reach your potential, your true identity, who you are meant to be. Always completely devastated as an individual and as a being that is meant to live in community. What is it that unites us into this community, really? Ultimately, it is love. Love brings forth a unity, and love is a sacrificing of oneself. There is no love on this earth without the cross. It is not my will, but the will of another. I choose the good for another, and I carry it out. No matter the sacrifice to myself, that really is love. And so love is what unites us and forms this community, this deepest union. But it does come at a cost, self-sacrifice. And really all of our problems in this world stem from our, I shouldn't say inability, but maybe our refusal, the obstacles we put to this self-sacrifice, to wanting to hold on to my own will instead of making that prayer that our Lord made. In the Agony in the Garden, not my will, Father, but thy will. Or as our Blessed Mother says, thy will be done at the moment of her fiat. So it's love that is going to unite us, and we're seeing that in the Blessed Trinity as well. Here's an analogy. Again, it's going to be imperfect, but it connects to how we're made in the image and likeness of God. I don't know if you've ever wondered about why we refer to the second person of the Trinity as the Word. This naturally comes from the first Gospel of St. John in the opening words. Everyone knows, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And a few verses later we hear, and the Word was made flesh, and dwelt amongst us what we always pray at the Angelus. For example, at noon on a daily basis, this is the first chapter of the Gospel of St. John, also the last Gospel that you hear at the end of every Mass. It's interesting because the Greek language certainly has certain nuances that the English language doesn't, and so we would use the English word word to translate three different words in Greek. They are lexi, which would mean more like a a word or a a vocable, adesi, which would be the word of tidings or of notice, and then logos, which is more like reason or speech or something that causes another. And so of those three options, St. John chooses logos to refer to the second person of the Trinity. We ask ourselves, what's going on here? Again, going back to man, because as we reflect on man, we'll get insight into the blessed trinity. As we reflect on God, we'll know more about ourselves. As a man, I do have my own words, my own speech, which reflects what's in my mind. And it's fascinating that I have an idea in my head, and I can use words to convey that idea to you, and now you will have the same idea in your head. And I also have love. Those are very important elements of our soul. We've talked about that before, the mind and the will. The mind is to know truth and speech is connected to that. The will is to choose the good and love is connected to that. So my mind and my words and my love, those are part of me. It's part of who I am. It's these powers of my soul. Well, we look to God and we see that God is again, analogous, the analogy does fall apart, it's imperfect, but we'll use this analogously, where God the Father has His Word, His speech, His mind, His reason, and that's the Logos, that's the Son. And then the Father and the Son love each other. And that love that they have for one another that unites them is in fact the Holy Ghost. And so those are the relations, right? The Father begets. He gives everything He has to His Son, And the Son receives and then returns in this spirit of self-sacrifice, hence the cross, back to the Father. And that mutual exchange of receiving and giving perfectly, completely, and totally is the love that unites them. That relationship is then the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Blessed Trinity. But with God... Just like with me, my words are part of me. So with God, his word is sort of part of him, but it's so perfect and so real because God is pure essence, pure being. We've talked about that also, that his very word, his very logos, his very thought is another person. And just like my love is part of who I am, with God, again, he's so perfect and so real essence, pure essence, that his love is another person. And they stand in this wonderful relationship with one another. And so you can see that the human being has those, though not in the kind of you know capacity or perfection or fullness that the Blessed Trinity does. And the Son carries out this divine plan of the Father. That word plan, I think, is important. That connects us to the Logos, because again, the Logos is reason or an understanding. I like to think of it as a blueprint, Right? You have a blueprint in your mind of, let's say, how you're going to build something, and then you can execute it. Then you can talk about it or carry it out. That's a way of thinking about the Son. He's the Logos, the blueprint of the Father. And therefore, it's through Him that everything was created. You know, we could say that God the Father used the Son, His blueprint, that which is in His mind, to create all things, including us. And this is why all creation, you could say, bears the stamp or the imprint of the Blessed Trinity, specifically the logos, the second person, and why we do as well, and why our Lord took on our incarnate nature, because we were already, from the very beginning, created, molded after, you could say, His fashion, while we become mystical members of the body of Christ, the second person of the Trinity, not, for example, uh, members of the Holy Ghost or the Father in that way. Uh, it's because we're patterned after the Logos, our speech, also has the power to create, it makes us unique, and our love as human beings. Those are very important elements we have, and that again mirrors us to the Trinity. Uh, we too, a man and a woman, will come together. The man is supposed to give everything he has, his very self, even to the point of shedding his blood and his life, he's supposed to sacrifice for the woman. And the woman is meant to receive that. And then reciprocate with that love, return that love. And then the two doing that form this family so that nine months later you give their love a name. So our love may not be as perfect and real as God's, but you see sort of this shadowy reflection of it in how we form families. The very fact that we form families is patterned on the Blessed Trinity. The family is not some sort of uh, human construct that has been invented. You have a lot of these modernist deconstructionists that say, oh, the family is just a construct. No. No, it is built into the very fabric of who we are, into the very fabric of the universe, because God himself, the Blessed Trinity, is a family of persons. And that's why we seek to be united with another and to form this family, because we're seeking our destiny to be like God, that's who we are, made in His image and likeness. And so then, what you begin to realize is everything that the church teaches about a family. Life and love. Love uniting them. Life coming forth. Right. That's the Holy Ghost. This great love between the Father and the Son. And the love is so great, it cannot contain itself. So it bursts forth into life. That's what human beings are meant to do also. And so our love is supposed to burst forth into life. Once you start realizing this, you realize why... So many things are wrong with our world today, the entire unnatural vice agenda. You know, people seeking civil unions and these things between people of uh, man and man, woman and woman, it doesn't make any sense. The Blessed Trinity is not like that. The true love, that self-sacrificing love, not one that is self-centered or narcissistic or egotistic, It is only looking for its own self. No, a true love is self-sacrificing and dies on the cross for the other and life will come forth from that true love. Because we're made in the image and likeness. And so again, all the teaching on the family, like why contraception is wrong, why abortion is wrong, even things like in vitro fertilization, uh, certainly euthanasia, cloning, all these things that we know are morally wrong, it goes back to how we're supposed to be mirroring the Blessed Trinity. That great mystery which existed since even before creation. That's why the Trinity is so important. And why it's the central mystery of our faith. I began by saying that And again, it's because, yes, God created us, and yes, God redeemed us, and yes, God sanctifies us, but we don't name Him God, Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier, rather we name Him Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, because that expresses who God is in Himself. See, even before He creates, He is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That has always been, that's the mystery of God in Himself before creation. Once we start talking about it as creating us and redeeming us, sanctifying us, which is important, he does do that for us, but notice we've shifted the focus. Now instead of the focus being on God in and of himself and how he revealed himself, we shift the focus onto us and what God does for us. Already that's wrong. That's not the self-effacing, self-sacrificial love that we see in the Blessed Trinity, which we are supposed to mirror. And so there is a priority, not just in time, but we would say a metaphysical or ontological priority on the order of being. God being Father, Son, and Holy Ghost has a higher priority than Him creating, redeeming, or sanctifying man. And we cannot invert that order. We cannot invert that right relation. You see, that is what the devil is always trying to do, invert God's right order, the way things are related one to another, relation, to get that relationship wrong. And so we also see the devil launching a complete and utter attack against the family. He cannot destroy the Blessed Trinity, but he is certainly attempting to destroy the image of the Blessed Trinity that is in men who form these families. So he's got this great attack on the family. We know from Sister Lucia, she spoke of how this final attack that the devil would launch would be directed against the family. And we see that in full force right now in our society In large measure, this is because men have forgotten that they are made in the image and likeness of the one triune God, the holy and blessed Trinity, and that we are supposed to live our lives patterned after him. Yes, being our own individuals, but also choosing this self-sacrificial love to be united with others, forming these communities that are bursting forth with life. And the devil will attack all of that. So we have to resist it with all our strength. We have to live according to the love of the Blessed Trinity. So that's just a little bit about how we are made in the image and likeness of God. There is so much more, but it addresses so many problems that the world does not see today. And I invite you to continue thinking about this. As I said, there's many more things. We didn't even get into Thomistic theology where uh, he talks about the fives with the Blessed Trinity. It's quite interesting, right? In God, there is one God, and there are two processions. There are three persons. There are four relations, and there are five notions, St. Thomas Aquinas will tell us. But again, that delves us even deeper. I think we have enough now just to reflect more on how we need to develop the relationships with the Blessed Trinity, and try to mirror that life and love, especially that sacrificial love that we find at the very heart of Mission mystery of the Blessed Trinity, which has been there since before creation was ever made, before you or I ever existed. If you have any questions, please do email them to us, always willing and ready to receive them so we can have a show on a Q&A. Uh, you can email me, we'll put the email up on the screen, or at info at Fatima.org. You can also call the Fatima Center at 1-800-263-8160. Please do continue to pray for us at the Fatima Center, but pray especially for the consecration of Russia, and pray especially for the Church today. Uh, Many of our Church leaders are obviously saying things that are very wrong, and we need to pray for them. We need to pray for the conversion of all. Please do continue to send your donations—they greatly assist this apostolate. We are in need of them so we can continue proclaiming the message of Our Lady and the wonderful truths of our Catholic faith, which save people. Uh, let's go ahead and close with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Gloria Patri. Et Filio et Spiritu Sancto, sic in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. In nomine Patris, et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen, and may you have a most blessed week. We hope you have enjoyed this presentation brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. We invite you to visit our website, www.fatima.org. Immaculate Heart of Mary, Ora Pro Nobis.